Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. What's up? And welcome to Social Jello with Angelo. This is the podcast. Thanks for following my YouTube channel. I'm here with Rob Roland from. Let me get this right. I'm going to do this first. Combat, combat self defense. There we go. There we go. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Did it. All right. Yeah. From Combat Self Defense. Check out his YouTube channel and his Instagram and all the other stuff that he's got going on. The topic is YouTube hurting or harming martial arts. Now, before we even get started, right? If you are on YouTube and you're actually watching this and you actually heard me say that question, thank you so much for watching the show and actually watching the show before you just jump in to Facebook and start answering the question without watching it. Really appreciate it. And if you can take it one step further and put your answer in YouTube, that's going to help me. If you like my show, that helps me a lot because uh, I hate to go through this spiel before we start the topic, but I don't think people understand the fact that if you start going off on tangents on Facebook, that does absolutely nothing for my YouTube channel. Not that I'm trying to be a YouTuber, unlike young Rob over here, who's very successful what he does. Um, but it does help if you want to continue to see this channel grow and have more guests and stuff. Um, if you jump on YouTube, even if it's to say, you know, thumbs up, you don't even have to say anything. You put an emoji. It helps a lot. I appreciate it. Subscribe and like. All right. Got that out of the way. Now. I'm just going to hand it over to you. Rob, what do you think? Is it hurting or helping martial arts? So overall, my view on this is like anything regarding the internet, right? Putting information out there should never is never a bad thing, right? More access to more information is always good. That's how we went from thinking the earth was flat to a lot of us knowing that it's not and a good amount of us thinking that it is. But, you know, we started thinking out the earth was flat, that the earth is the center of the universe, that X, Y, or Z thing had to be true because we believed to be true. And then information became more widespread. And now most people, more people than ever before, have access to information and knowledge they didn't have, right? More people know how to read, know math, know science, know history than have ever known in human history. The same is true of martial arts, right? Martial arts is by and large a physical movement. There's always been libraries, there's always been, you know, um, pictures of what martial arts looks like, but you don't really know what it is until you can see it, see it in motion, right? Martial arts is a study of motion against another human being. So YouTube being the ability to just turn your camera on and record your class or your drill or whatever means that every single person on the planet, it means you and I in Japan and Texas can interact with each other. You know, there's no real bad side to that. If we're being honest about what we're doing here, right? If it's about the study of martial arts and the, continuation from point a to point b to point c to generations down the line this is the best thing that could happen all right now from my take on it and it's gonna sound hypocritical because i am on youtube and i have i got special permission from my instructor to put up our curriculum on youtube and i guess a good story to start this off with is why my instructor did not put he did put his stuff up on YouTube, but he got a long time ago when YouTube was in its rudimentary phase, not where it's at right now. I'm talking about mm, about 15 years ago, about 15 years ago, about 15 years ago, maybe 10, between 10 and 15 years ago. So a decade ago, more than a decade ago, 
my instructor put up a video of me and some other black belts who were just beginning. I just started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I was going over how to incorporate, because we already had, of course, with Kajukembo, and I don't feel like doing it. Just check out, at the end of this episode, what is Kajukembo is there. Just please watch it. I don't want to explain it. Again, it's there. Use the internet. Google it. <laughs> you have an idea what I'm talking about. But you know how in our school, we incorporated a lot of judo, but not a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So I did some Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It was incorporating into, into our program. Uh, I came up with this idea at the time called... Uh, it was supposed to be combat technique sparring, CTS for short. And the idea was to use the kinds of things that we see hap- we saw happening t- a decade ago in the cage and MMA, but still have it be Kaju Kembo. So like still have it be for self-defense applications, not just the idea. Of, so we were doing two-on-ones, right? So we were still doing two guys against one guy. But at the same time, keeping in mind that injuries right we were all younger guys at the time but we still knew hey things can escalate real quickly especially on two-on-ones so let's try to keep things light and that's why we didn't want to exactly go full contact so we either way we we got we put together this i had this idea and then we said before we start doing the sparring let's just do some of our self-defense with some of these concepts right so we just did like we did our self-defense like a, a monkey line for those of you who are martial artists you know what a monkey line is for those of you who are not martial artists a monkey lines when you line people up they all get together, they do one set of techniques, and then the next person comes up in line. So we did this. Uh, we did that first, and so my instructor put some of that up, and then he also put up some of the sparring, too. And I thought it was great. I, mean, I looked at it. I, saw, I The footage, I had no problem with it. I was happy with it. Um, but, of course, your e-martial artists started showing up and saying all kinds of stuff. You know, that technique sucks. That would never work in the, that would never work in the cage. His ground control, I forgot what the, the the array of trolls that showed up to talk shit about the kind of practice that we were doing. So initially where we were really excited, and I was really excited because I didn't have a channel at the time, and I was really excited that my instructor decided to put it up on his channel. My cha- my instructor said, I just pulled it down. It's, I, most of the stuff I'm getting is negative feedback, and um, and I, I really don't like sharing stuff on the internet. Anyway, as, as he put it. So with that as the background story, <laughs> to to where where I finally decided to put myself on the internet was the the downside is you do you're going to receive criticism and some of the criticism may be valid but as you know from running your channel you're going to receive a lot of criticism where you have no idea where this criticism is even coming from who the person is because of the anonymity behind especially YouTube uh, at least with Facebook sometimes trolls will put a fake profile or whatever but for the most part you're gonna actually see the person giving you the criticism most and sometimes it's even someone you know which makes it kind of tough but at least you know who they are but that the anonymity i think it's a word of anonymity there you go there it is see thank you rob english is obviously your first language (laughs) (laughs) yeah for those of you don't know spanish is actually my first language but anyway and now Japanese. Anyway, um, because of that, it does open a can of worms as far as who is saying what. And another negative thing is these people tend to kind of follow a main narrative. So let's say right now the popular at that time and now even more so the narrative is MMA. 
if you're not wearing MMA shorts and you got a bunch of tats and you're not wearing your t-shirt and you're sitting there and you're not beating the, oh yeah, one of the people jumped in there. Oh, they're not even hitting each other that hard, right? It's like people were obviously looking at YouTube for entertainment and they weren't entertained by what they saw. And maybe that was another problem. My instructor wasn't putting it up for entertainment. He was putting it up for further study amongst our group to look at and do the same things that the internet was doing, but from a more critical perspective to get to get better at this thing that we're doing. I'll keep saying that line because Ramsey Dewey's my homie and check out his channel if you haven't seen it. I like that line. To get better at what we like to do. So that's the negative side is you will have people that have, they're kind of a part of a, I don't know if are MMA fighters or girls because they don't even know who they are, right? Because they're just a no face, no name, made up name, like Darth Vapor who, <laughs> shout out to Darth Vapor, bro. I hope you're still trolling me. <laughs> so, like, you never know, and they might be a part of this main narrative, um, martial arts, which right now is very strong MMA. And if it's not MMA, and it's not Muay Thai kickboxing, get ready, because eh, you're going to get criticism. I think, yes, um, there's definitely a big pocket of the internet that just wants to shit on everybody, regardless of what they're doing. Right. Like I've seen people criticize Dustin Poirier, the way he throws punches and throws kicks and he's fighting on the highest level against the highest level opponents, but because he lost a fight, he's worth criticism. And like your criticism might be valid. You might be right, but that doesn't mean he's bad at what he does. It means you're Monday night quarterbacking, right? The game has already happened. So you're just talking and you're talking backwards, right? Retroactively. So that's something you got to consider as well. Like who, what is the quality of the information you are conveying to the video you've seen? I also think there's a there's YouTube pre 2015 ish and YouTube post 2015. Early YouTube was a library of information, right? It was it was my instructor wanted to save our curriculum and our drills so that our people could see it and study it and rehearse it and use it forever, right? Twenty post 2015, YouTube became TV. It became not just preserving information, but creating and distributing new information. It became entertainment or edutainment, as people would call it, right? It's like, I'm diminishing it a lot, but it's not that different from Sesame Street, right? Because now you have guys like me or Ramsey Dewey or anybody, or Shane Faison, right? Shane Faison is one of the biggest names in the, in the game right now, teaching people and entertaining people on YouTube. The goal is to make the viewer interested in what we're doing, not just you know, Angelo in Japan be able to do the same thing that Mickey in California is doing, right? It's different. The goal is different. And so the, the medium has to change as well. But at the same time, I think it's on the creator, the content creator, or the martial artist in this case, to have the wisdom to recognize what criticisms are informed and are valid and which ones are just trying to put them down, right? Like, I get a lot, like you said, I get a lot of criticism on my channel about what I say and what I do and about what I say, I don't really listen to it at all. You know, I'm like, this is my channel. I'm going to say what I want. This is literally all opinion based. None of it I'm stating is fact. So if you disagree with it, you're welcome to do that. But in terms of the way I practice, the way I train, the way I move, if someone is like, Hey, I noticed you stand very flat footed. You don't move your arches enough. All right, cool. I need to work on my footwork then. That is the thing that I didn't see about myself. So even on that level of like being attacked by people who might not necessarily have your best interest at heart, a broken clock is still right twice a day, right? So 
Yeah, we wish, going back, in a dojo, a student or a viewer is never going to be disrespectful to the instructor, right? He's No one's ever going to say, Angelo, your footwork is ass. You don't know how to throw a straight punch. You can't dodge a punch. You suck. No one's ever going to say that to you, right? They're only going to say that when they're back here and you can't see who they are, right? However, they might think that you might need to be told that. And if you can be separated, if you can separate the emotion of being told that to your face and just realize like, yeah, you're right. Like my head doesn't move when I throw punches. I should probably work on that. Even at that level, it's still ultimately good for the martial arts, even if it's not good for your feelings. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a few steps back here. I think it is very practical in the sense of what you said before, like the 10 years ago concept, right? Because of that criticism, my instructor limited what he put out there. So when I asked him, hey, I'm going to make a channel because I am in Japan and I can't be everywhere at once. And maybe some of you back in California want to see what I'm doing and incorporate into what you're doing. I'm going to keep it here as an archive. And originally I did it because it wasn't even because of that. I did it because I had a student who was in, in the city about two hours away and he couldn't train with me. So I said, you know what? He can only train with me once a week. And I said, all right, well, this is getting old. Like I kept making videos and private messaging and videos. And this is getting old real quick. Like <laughs> I'd rather just make an archive and know, yeah, I have a website and I can put it on a website, but it's easier access on YouTube. And then it turned into a side thing where, well, okay, other people are watching it too. Maybe someone can or cannot get something out of it. So that was the original reason I started doing that. And at that point, my podcast was actually already around. And my podcast was, now we're going to really take a side quest, aren't we? Oh, let's go there. So, That's what we do here. <laughs> let's, let's go. Here we go. Side quest. So <laughs> big warning. <laughs> uh, so at the time, podcasting was not big at that point in time it was getting big but it wasn't what it is right now like everybody has a podcast when i did my podcast not everybody had a podcast everybody was talking about wanting to start a podcast and a lot of people were starting and quitting starting and quitting in fact a lot of the people that started podcasts when i started my podcast are no longer doing podcasts anymore because they, they thought it was going to be some profit driven thing and i'm like I, I saw the same thing happening like ah there's a lot of people saying the same thing i'm probably going to want to do this not not for money but because i like to do it it was so, the Beanie Babies of the early 2000s. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and my podcast isn't that old. My podcast is now, wait a second. I forgot how old the podcast is. It's about five. It's about five years, about five years or more. It's a little over five years that I've been doing this. Um, so that's not too long ago, relatively not 2000s, but what, 2023. So yeah, about 2018, 2019-ish around there. A little before that, quit. 2019 was the presidential election, right? That's when Trump came around. And I was doing this a little before that happened. I think, if I got my times correctly. Yeah. He was 2016. He was 2015, 2016. So. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So you're, was, was... you're definitely older than that because I remember watching and listening to yours and John's stuff before I even thought about having a YouTube channel. Okay, like I, think wow. I, was, I think I was listening to your podcast right about the time when I got my black belt. Wow. Something like that, yeah. I ha I've been doing this for a while. <laughs> I, I, okay, so it was, a, it was a long time ago. It was a lot longer than I thought it was. So yeah, 
back then, kind of like YouTube was in a different place. Podcasting was in a different place. Now, I did the podcast, and the podcast was way too broad. It isn't what it is now. If you watch my older episodes, there wasn't video. The tech wasn't there. I tried to do – I'm so glad Zoom came around because I used to have different software. And it was very – it was really sketchy. Sometimes I just use a picture of the of the guest because it couldn't handle video. It would start just bogging everything down on my computer. So, yeah, for those – but there's still some great interviews. I'm not trying to discourage you from going back to the archives and seeing some of those earlier episodes. And I did interview a, I did interview a, a sex worker. So there it is. Um, and no, it's not John Hoylo, even though he always gets offended saying <laughs> he's the sex worker. It's not John Hoylo. But yeah, I interviewed a lot of different people from different backgrounds. So it wasn't exactly just about martial arts, even though now it kind of is very martial arts centric now. Because um, those are the people, I just went after the people that were listening to it. So um, where am I going with all this? Well, at that point in time, I did that YouTube channel i did the i wasn't really focused on the youtube part i knew i needed multiple parts for marketing so i tagged on youtube as part of it because i figured why limit my audience to just podcasts and now fast forward to now most of my audience is youtube well my podcasting audience is i don't know what it is it's that's all over the place now that's where i started doing the youtube videos for martial arts like i was like oh i'm just gonna i already have the youtube channel why don't I just tag it on there? Because I, I really didn't care. I wasn't focused on YouTube. And now, fast forward to now, it seems like YouTube is the way to do it as far as sharing information with my students because that was the easiest thing to do for my students, especially my Japanese students that don't. They like the ad. Oh, okay. Positive side for YouTube. So Japanese people don't like to be public with their information. They don't like to be public with their stuff. Um, so a lot of my... A lot of my students did not have Instagram. They kind of, they have, some of them have Instagram. I convinced them to because I said, hey, you don't have to put your real name on there. You can put a fake name and a fake picture of a dog and you can continue to see stuff. And, but they're still very wary of social media, like in general. The younger generation, not so much, but the older generation, very much. They don't want to be on Facebook. They just, they want a very minimal digital track, if you will, digital footprint. So YouTube allows them to have that. So that, that was the positive note for YouTube. But you know, coming back to our main subject, they like the idea that they don't have to have their real name and they can put a little black whatever and they can still get the information that they were looking for. So that's one positive aspect. Going back to our negative aspect. Yes, you're right. People can get a lot of data. Like you said, they can see entertaining videos. Um bettertainment if you will edutainment as you were calling it earlier they're kind of being educated and they're kind of getting entertained i started seeing an influx in the younger generation of people who want to do martial arts for a completely different reason from the ways and i want to do martial arts now i don't know if this has to do with youtube or the general trend of the newer generation in general and then maybe you can help me pull this apart I feel like they're kind of mashed together um, where I'd have kids come in saying, I want to be a professional kickboxer or I want to be a professional MMA fighter or I want to be a professional boxer. That's why I'm here. And your, your, your gym said boxing on it. And I'm like, well, you know, yes, I can teach you boxing. But to be honest, if you want to be a professional boxer, 
I recommend that you go to a boxing gym because I don't, I am not a professional boxing coach. And if that's, if that's really your goal, which at the time they don't know what the fuck they want. They're just saying that because they saw whatever on some guy they like on YouTube who's showing these boxing moves, who's not even a professional boxer. <laughs> we go again, we're going we're gonna to go down that rabbit hole. Not they watched one of my videos, what you're saying. They watched one of my videos and they're like, I want to do that. I, I want to be that guy. <laughs> and, they don't even know. and they don't know. Just, they, don't, they don't know what's going on. They're like, I, I saw that guy. He looks cool. I want to be like that guy and I'm going to be a professional boxer. And I'm just honest with them. Like, I, I used to try to market them in and be like, hey, and put the extra time into them. But what I mostly found is like a, a good six months into the training, I'm like, okay, because I know exactly what you need. I'm not a professional boxer, but I've done professional. I've done, I've had one professional MMA fight and several semi-professional. I say semi-professional because the pros were fighting in the same category and class as me. And they jumped between pro fights and my, a, they have, in Japan, they have A-class, S-class. So A-class, the pros can come in and fight you, beat the crap out of you, or you can beat the crap out of them. Either it's a tough fight, and then they turn around and go, uh, when there's when there's you know they'll do that to keep their from getting cage rust as they call it where you don't have enough fights so they'll do that they'll do one of those fights and then they'll jump and do a pro fight at the end of the year so that was the category i was fighting in so i know what kind of training you need to keep up with a professional fighter i don't go as far as to say i'm a professional fighter because i've never set out to make money off it um so i know what you need and as soon as i start putting those kids through that and i'm not and for any of you watching you're probably thinking i'm beating the shit of kids this is not what it is it's just a lot of conditioning if you see john hackleman stuff it's a lot of conditioning a lot of running a lot of weight training a lot of just burpees till you puke like it's like it, any sport it's you do the sport and a billion other things to get better at it yeah so like that's what i put them through and then they wouldn't make it like <laughs> I don't want this or I don't want this through you. <laughs> Do you really know what you're doing? I get a lot of questions like that. And when they start showing me those, that kind of attitude, I'd be like, okay, well, why don't you just go to a boxing gym? And then I'd see them stick around there and then quit. So that that's, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I don't know if that's a question, Rob, but <laughs> that's the kind of, those are the kind of people that I, I see coming in and I, I'm trying to pull apart whether that's a new generation thing a YouTube thing or a combination of both. And I'll just hand that over to you. I think it's probably just an age thing. I think there's always going to be, I mean, that's martial arts thrives on the young man with a lot of, as my instructor put it, a lot of anger and a lot of coming in his balls. <laughs> um, just wants to come in and, you know, make himself the biggest badass there ever was. That's that's always been the case, right? That's always how every martial arts gym has always been filled. Like it is overwhelmingly young men who have something to prove. I think what YouTube and really what TikTok has done is spread that spread the ability to do that out to more and more people, right? It used to be either you were living in a rough area and you needed some, some kind of way to defend yourself to get out of there, or you had enough money to where mom and dad would pay for you to go learn all the fun flippy kicks to get your black belt in the next two years. But either way, that's the only way you could do it back in the day, right? It was either a martial arts was a sport for the very poor or the very rich. Now YouTube has created a middle class of everybody. doesn't matter how much money you have. doesn't matter where you live. You can live in the middle of nowhere. As long as you have a decent enough internet connection, you can study 
Kajukembo. You can study Wushu. You can study Hapkido, whatever you want at any time. And then you can find the gym in your area that like, I, I watched Glover Teixeira fight. He didn't win, spoiler warning, but I like the way he moved and I want to get like that. And no matter what, it really doesn't matter what the medium is, right? It could be YouTube. It could be Bruce Lee movies. You're going to have the student to show up thinking that's what they want. And then when they find out what the cost of that's going to be, not just the, you know, monetary cost, but the life cost, like we got to change the diet. We got to change the sleep. We got to change the work ethic. Mm, I don't really want to do it that bad. I just want to be famous and tough and rich without working that hard. <laughs> I think YouTube and the internet made that easier for people, but it didn't create it for people. Yeah. So yeah, that's, um, I don't know. That, I, I guess there's, there's that. There's some, there's some positive there. I guess more people are interested. You as an instructor have to deal with more people now coming into your gym that are like, I want to be the next Mike Tyson or whatever. They're probably not yeah. saying Mike. I want to be the next Logan Paul. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's probably we're, more we're, of that, more of that now, but that's still ultimately good for you because yeah. that means more people more people are hearing about martial arts and about kajukembo than they've ever been the case that's now true. for me to play devil's advocate as much as i think spreading information is great i think the general public has gotten more informed and more well trained than ever before but i think the shysters and the people who teach bullshit have also gotten worse than ever before because the internet loves an echo chamber. You and I know, and I'm not going to name any names, at least not the people that we know. Um, we know martial artists who are straight up frauds, are teaching things that are not viable in professional fighting, amateur fighting, or self-defense. Their credentials are skeptical at best. And yet they have a whole cult of people around them saying, you are the seniorest grandmaster who ever grandmastered. Teach us your ways, please. And they never talk to anyone outside that circle. We see it almost every week in one of our Facebook groups. And I feel like before YouTube became, before YouTube and social media became what they were, it was at least a little bit harder to do that. Or if it did exist, it wasn't as prevalent as it is now. Yeah, I think what one of the things I see more often, and it, it's not how I don't see it so much in the West, but I've been seeing it in the East, being in Japan, is seeing people and their channels are doing really well. Their channels are doing very well. They're, you're right on this on this end. There's, there's this without going into our group so that no one in our group gets all, you know, John Hoylo. <laughs> <laughs> talking about you john no <laughs> so there's this is japanese uh martial artist and I, I don't even know his name but um he he was pretty much he's pretty much teaching uh you know just like the uh wax on wax off version of self-defense so that's what i'll call it my it's very much not legitimate self-defense and he's selling these instructionals and um i think i i don't even want to say i don't even want to say the name i remember the name of the website but i don't want to give him any more promotion than he's already getting but yeah he's and he's big he's big out in, in the japanese community as a black belt in martial arts 
and he's constantly pushing BS, you know, bullshito as they would call it in the West. And he controls the narrative. So like I, I watched the page and if anybody says anything critical, you just delete the comment. And then the majority of the comments are obviously all the students talking about how great he is and the stuff that he's doing. And I don't know if this is more of a, like I said, maybe it's not happening in the West. Maybe it is happening in the West. I don't know. Cause I haven't seen YouTube channels in the West. I don't know. You see more details than us. Is that, is that a thing? Or are, are there people like that out in the U S with YouTube channels that are complete BS, but they're doing, they're growing and doing really well. Um, I mean, we have guys like Jake Mace and, uh, was the Detroit urban survival guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, we have those guys, but I don't. They themselves are doing very well. I don't know how good their program is doing. If that makes sense. Oh okay. Like they, their brand, the the person who puts on the the combat vest and pretends like they're teaching legitimate self defense techniques for better or for worse. That person is doing very well. I don't know if his martial arts program is doing very well. Okay. Um, it does happen though. What all that to say? Like it does happen. It's, it's, it's common everywhere, right? Like you're going to get people in any society where if you're charismatic enough and you talk with enough authority, people are going to believe you know what you're doing, right? I talked about it not too long ago on my channel, DKU versus Manny Pacquiao. Oh, okay. DKU has as much fight experience as I do. And I have zero business fighting Manny Pacquiao. <laughs> but because he's so popular on the internet, he gets to fight him. Like that makes zero sense. If I, if I even got in con tried to get in contact with Manny Pacquiao's manager, they'd be like, I don't even know who you are, kid. Come back when you have some, some hair on your balls, you know? And I think you're bringing in the next one. I was thinking of bringing that up. I'm glad you brought that up now. This whole idea of, you know, you are the YouTuber, right? I don't consider myself a YouTuber, even though I'm a YouTuber, it's weird. But, but yeah, the YouTuber, the very successful YouTuber. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm not, like I'm, not, I'm talking about those one percenters, those people that everyone who's doing a YouTube channel would love to be these guys because they're bringing in a lot of cash. Um, they can pretty much make a video of them on the toilet talking about whatever topic and their followers will give it a thousand you know, likes and people just keep subscribing. At this point, the algorithm is supporting them because of how well they've done. And these people, many times, like you said, don't actually have much experience in anything, but they're getting the fights, right? They're getting the fights. Um, at this point, you know, uh, you, you mentioned Logan, uh, Paul Logan, and he's got a Logan brother. Paul. Logan Paul, and he's got a brother too. There's another guy. Jake Paul. Jake Paul, there you go, those two guys. Now, arguably, these guys at this point, because they've been doing it so long, I can no longer say that they're not, they don't have experience because now they've gained experience through it. So it's kind of like they're fighters now. Yeah, they're fighters now. Whether whether we like it or not, um, that's a completely different topic and another podcast to be talked about. But um, before they were those guys, they were just two guys making on a YouTube channel, if I'm not mistaken, uh, paying paying people to let them punch them or fight them or I forgot what it was. It was like they a, did all kinds of prank videos and all. yeah, prank they were, videos and stuff. You know, they were basically, they started on Vine, which was like TikTok back in the day. And then they moved over to YouTube, I think. But it was, yeah, it was like any other channel where they did pranks and gags and, you know, they did dumb stuff. And then one of them decided, let's start training boxing. Let's see if we can fight somebody. Yeah. 
So that like, was their springboard into professional fighting. Yeah. And now the argument that the fighters have is, and what bothers the fighters and what bothers the professional fighting world is how difficult it is for people that didn't go that route, right? They, they did the other route. They went into, a, like you said, the rough area. And a lot of people, those of us, did come from a rough area. Rough area route, not a lot of money behind them. Um, so they, they, they decided to do boxing and they, they started, they started seeing an escape. Let's just use boxing as an example. Um, like Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson is a good example of a guy like that. You listen, if you listen to Mike Tyson's podcast and you listen to Mike Tyson talk about his, his past, it's riddled with crime and villainy. I think the best way to summarize his life as a kid is crime and villainy and boxing for him became his exit route right so he put all his time into doing that and, and you know everything worked out for him but there's a lot of people that have the same background where it, it did not work out for them um it, and it had it had very little to do with skill and more to do with promoting um for a lot of these guys in boxing and we can we can spread that to the other areas of kickboxing which makes less money but i like boxing because it makes the most um and not to mention boxing has the whole ali act behind it so that the actual fighter themselves can can promote their own fights and get more of the purse at this point. So a lot of boxers do go that route and promotion's a huge part of it. And YouTube is kind of, I guess the counter argument immediately is, well, these guys can get on YouTube now, right? And they can help them. But for a lot of the people, they might be past that window, I guess. Um, and now at this point, this is the same thing that happened with the UFC when they came out with the ultimate fighter, I know this has nothing to do with YouTube, but maybe it does or it doesn't. When the ultimate fighter came out and they started, it was just originally, it was just made to promote the UFC. That was the whole purpose of the show. Uh, the reality TV show element, they weren't sure how successful that would be, but they were just thinking, Hey, it's a great way to promote our, our venue. So let's make the ultimate fighter. But then what tripped out everyone else in the UFC is you already had, a whole generation of UFC fighters who worked their asses off to get the fights that they got. And suddenly guys from the ultimate fighter who've only been fighting for a year or less, or maybe a little more to be on the ultimate, especially that first one, they all of a sudden start getting title shots, right? Um, which really upset people in the UFC. And you kind of see the same thing happening in YouTube too. Anyway. My, my <laughs> criticism of that is that A, you can't... Okay, actually, my criticism is the same no matter what. Um, Ronan, stop. Sorry, my dog is making a lot of noise. Um, ultimately, no matter how we want to slice it, one way or the other, professional fighting and personal martial arts training, as in whether we're talking about the guy who gets paid to fight people on TV and the internet, or you and me who train martial arts ultimately because we enjoy it and it's our way of life. Both of these people are doing it for entertainment. The professional fighter is doing it for the entertainment of the audience and the martial artist is doing it for his own entertainment. Like that's what it is, right? It makes you feel good to do this or makes somebody feel good when you do this. So you do it. And so you can't fault the fact that a new medium came out that allowed the entertaining people to entertain more people, right? Like, again, 
you can say what you want about the Paul brothers, and I'll be honest, I think Logan Paul is actually a pretty decent boxer. He's got uh -oh. a very good style about him. But that notwithstanding, he has a ravenous group of fans in the millions that will do, follow him to whatever he does because he keeps them entertained. And you can't fault him for jumping on that, for utilizing that that skill. Because if we don't know what his home life is like, right? I'm not saying like we don't know if he had a bad upbringing. I'm saying like, is he rehearsing? Is he reading? Is he studying? Is he practicing at home? Is he like, all right, instead of saying, hi, my name is Logan, is it funnier if I say, hi, my name is Logan? You know, we don't know what he's doing that makes him so entertaining. That makes him who he is, right? Now, I will say I have on decently good authority, he's actually just an obnoxious human being to be around. That's just kind of his natural personality. But he's smart enough to know that that's entertaining for other people that aren't in his immediate circle, right? You can't fault him for making money and a lifestyle off of that. Because face it, anybody who criticizes that, anybody who's like, oh, these YouTuber martial artists don't, they don't believe in the purity of martial arts like I did back in my day. We just trained. That's all we talked. Like, come on, man. If you could do it, you would do it. You just can't. Like, that's just true. But the fact is, like, you and I both love Ramsey Dewey. We do. He's probably one of the wisest people on, on YouTube martial arts, period. But objectively, he's not entertaining. <laughs> He speaks with a very low, slow monotone, and he says things that are not controversial or at all really that insightful. He just states facts, but he resonates with people that are into that. And I will say that is not an act. That's him. That's him. That's him. <laughs> yeah, that's him. I'm a, like some people have asked me, like, "No, oh, is that like is that like his?" No, that that's him. Like. I met him. I met him. Be I met him before I knew he had a YouTube channel. And then when I saw his YouTube channel, I was shocked that he just he kept it. I'm like, oh, he just that. That's just, that's just that's just that's him. Like he's not. I thought when I saw his YouTube channel, like it would do like he'd go into like a YouTube. You know how people get into you know how they they get into the the way they 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 change the way the the rate of speech, how they talk, how they gesture. It's like acting. It is. Yeah, acting. it's like yeah. It's a type of they get into an acting persona. He that's how he is. He he's not. But that's he, yeah. That's and the he, same thing with. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. And, and the low voice thing uh, that that happened because uh, he didn't. Ta he was he was showing how to escape a choke once, and he got his trachea crushed. Um, so he can't speak in a higher tone. He said that while while he was teaching. He's like, so a lot of people talk about my low voice, and they think I'm trying to like. Barry Malano, what's the good Barry? Uh, Manolo. Yeah, Barry Manolo, my lessons. It's not that. It's I can't go at a higher octave because I got my trachea crushed uh, a, a while back uh, while teaching how to escape a choke. Uh, big note on always tapping. Y no matter what situation you're in, it's very good lesson. Tap early, tap often is this thing. Interesting <laughs> for topic of conversation for perhaps another podcast. <laughs> Who gets more injured? Professional fighters? Or professional instructors that's a good topic yeah because i get more injured now as an instructor than i ever did when i was training <laughs> just something worth noting but that to say like ramsey is objectively not a showman what he does is not entertaining he's he, he tells jokes but he is not funny he's just straight face looks at the camera and occasionally raises an eyebrow but for the people that resonates with that resonates hard 
And so even if you're like, uh, I'm not good at that YouTube thing, there's going to be people that want to listen to you. You know, if you can teach two people in your backyard martial arts, I can guarantee you there's a couple thousand people on the internet that want to listen to you. They want to see you move around. Yeah. The caveat to that, as with everything, is that you have to actually be good at martial arts. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, arguably, what we just said and what we said earlier would state otherwise. Well, okay. Ideally, you're also good at martial arts. Yes, that's what I'd say. Because you can always, and again, going back to the acting, you can look good on camera. You can look good on camera. And cameras, like you said, you can do more than one take. So if if you, even if you sucked at something, you can practice it, do it that one time and never do it again. So arguably, it doesn't guarantee, I mean, for the most part, we'll, we'll give it the benefit of the doubt and say 65% is probably, they are good at what they're doing. 65% of them are. But there are going to be some people in between that that aren't good at what they're doing, but are really good at doing it once. Once. For, for, the, for the camera. Yeah, and that's that. I mean, but this is like what this is like movies, right? When we were talking about movies, we we're talking about the same thing, right? Uh, John Wick. I'm I'm, I'm sure Keanu. I'm sure Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. Right? Yeah, Keanu Reeves. I'm sure he's. I'm sure he did practice. I saw the videos. Okay, so here's the cool thing. I'm glad you brought up John Wick. John Wick was partly choreographed by the guys who founded the Collier School of Judo which is a YouTube channel. It is a group of judo black belts who modified their techniques into something that looks a little bit more combative. Um, we can go back and forth on if these things are practical for fighting, but it is very cool to see them move. What they do is very beautiful and very aggressive. It doesn't look like pure judo. It looks like judo with kicks and some Aikido throws and punches. It was good enough to get the attention of the fight choreographer from John Wick and say, I want that integrated here. So in a way, without YouTube, we don't get John Wick. And honestly, who knows how much else? Because back in the day, it used to be, how do we find a fight choreographer? Well, the actor takes karate at this place, and that instructor might be able to choreograph something for us. And then that instructor takes off, and he does the next movie, and the next movie, and the next movie. And that's where fight choreographers came from. Now it's like, I'm going to make a Kung Fu movie. I need someone that I don't have to pay a lot because they've never done this before, but that is very good. Go on YouTube, type in Kung Fu choreography. Boom, we found Martial Club. All right, that's what we're doing now. So even if we reduce martial arts to just movie choreography, YouTube has been super helpful for that. Yeah, and again, I, I was going to do a counter argument, but before I do a counter argument, because we're going to wrap this up soon. But this does come back to what I said earlier. I got a lot of shit for this on multiple play, multiple different Facebook pages when I said that um, it's a different generation of martial artists because in my day, I had to... I came from a rough area and I come from a generation that's before YouTube. So... If I wanted to find legitimate information when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I had to go to the library and look at pictures and books. Like a microfiche. Yeah. And then maybe I'd come across, I used to watch a bunch of, that's why I watched a bunch of Kung Fu movies. I'm just going to watch a bunch of Kung Fu movies. I can't, 
find anything. There's no, this is, I think I ended up with okay access to the internet through my Sega Dreamcast. And it wasn't that great. And I still didn't find anything. And I wasn't all years later. I was already I was already training in martial arts by the time YouTube was anywhere near. And even then, it didn't have the channels that it has now, because um, a lot of the a lot of the people that the big instructors like the the Gracies had their they had a whole fucking they still do and they're still very protective of that curriculum. The Gracie Academy is still very protective of that old curriculum. They're still charging people for that those videos. Um, they um, I paid a dollar for like a, a whole mess of the old ones, and I'm watching them and, and laughing at some of the shit they say, but. Still, they're very protective of it, and they tend not to put it on YouTube, even then, now. So back then, even more. A lot of martial artists, because it was a big money industry. Uh, said, and this is maybe post, this is probably another pre-COVID thing, right? After COVID, the seminar circuit kind of got shut down. But um, before COVID, you had the whole thing, the seminar circuit. And any non-martial artists listening to this, a seminar circuit was pretty much, there was martial artists from around the world that were good at what they did questionable we'll just say most of them same as youtube good at marketing themselves yeah good at, at marketing the themselves least. and then they were good at teaching and they were charismatic and they would put they'd all get together in groups different styles from jujitsu brazilian jujitsu to judo to combat to jikundo salat whatever style it was and they'd all get together and put and have these like giant weekend conventions martial arts conventions where you can train with any of them and they just kind of hand out information and these people were very protective of that information. They'd say stuff like no videos. I never went to a seminar. They were ridiculously expensive. And I was just not, I'm not going to pay 200 bucks for a weekend of, of a martial arts buffet. It's just not worth it to me. But a lot of people did pay. And there was, a, it was a really big money system. Some of those guys would have like programs where they would, they'd circuit, they'd travel the world and come back to the place they started at within a year. And the people that they saw a year ago, they'd continue to train them once a year and then they would pay more money for like online curriculum. And it was a whole industry and the person would get a black belt and everything, right? That, that they, they, they were doing that. They were doing that. Um, where was I going with this? So, <laughs> so these, that, that got shut down. That got shut down. And even then from when I was younger, I couldn't find any information. So what did I get in trouble for? I got in trouble. Cause I said, well, you know, now, you can just jump online and literally look up Ricks and Gracie uh, breaks down how to do an arm bar. And you're going to find either Ricks and Gracie talking about how to actually do it and, or him doing it with another very qualified instructor breaking down what he's doing. So you can figure out how to do that arm bar, just like Ricks and Gracie, which is something that you would have never had back then. Even Ricks and Gracie was part of that seminar circuit. You weren't even going to get close to ever seeing Ricks and Gracie, even if you had the money. You have to have a lot of money to be able to pull that off. So there's, there is a strong argument to say that YouTube has helped martial arts in that aspect as far as access to information. But you still, just like Google or anything else with the internet, you still have to be an informed consumer to make sure that the information you're... You have to know what you're looking for, pretty much. If you just go in there and you know nothing looking for stuff you're gonna you know it's only gonna be as good as what you know so th then again we go back to i encourage anyone anyone who's just watching and not all all you non-martial artists not that many in, on this program but i do that's why i always, always encourage you and i say the same thing as uh and this is a bruce lee quote like in the very beginning of his book 
of the Tao, the Tao, the Tao. I've heard it called the Tao. I've heard it called the Tao, the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. Um, he starts off on a big spiel about what he doesn't like about the martial arts world at that time in the 70s. A lot of regiments, a lot of senior grandmasters teaching what he thought were B, was BS and not enough actual combat. And he goes off on a big spiel and just rips a, rips everyone a new asshole, um, this young guy writing his book. And but then right after he says that, <laughs> right after he goes on that long spiel, he says, I'm going to be showing you the techniques that I've learned in my lifetime from different styles. Then he says, I do encourage you to join a kun or a dojo or a boxing gym or something. I encourage you to join something before continuing to read my book. And I thought that was a really interesting line on his part. Now I'm going to use the same line because I think it's, I think it's still important. If you are going to go out there and consume martial arts, I do encourage you to take something. And I really don't care what it is. It can be wushu kung fu. It can be woo, or it can be MMA. You can go to an MMA gym. I really don't care what it is, but if you go somewhere and you start learning something with a group of people that you like, I think that's another very important thing that you get along with these people. So it's not a toxic environment. Um, you start training, it's going to help you pull apart and kind of, yeah, it's going to help you pull apart the information and get what you're looking for and, what, and, and match whatever goals you have. Uh, any ending statements there, Rob? If you can imagine back in the day, there were these physical brick and mortar buildings called libraries where you could sign up for a card and come in and select any book they had. And they had thousands of books. You could read things that were written hundreds of thousands of years ago to things that were written yesterday. And even at the end of their tenure, you could read, you could rent DVDs, you could access the internet, you could do whatever. But if you didn't know the difference between fiction and nonfiction, you could get a book thinking George Washington fought zombies before he won the American Revolution single-handedly. That's what YouTube is. Like you said, if you're an informed consumer, if you're training in a martial art, any martial art, doesn't matter what it is, you'll be able to disseminate what the real information is, what the fake information is, right? Because the people who are successful on YouTube, they're a dime a dozen. The people who are teaching valuable, honest information and are also successful, a little bit less, right? But when you know at least what you're looking for, it can be the most valuable tool of all time, right? This is why going to university, having a vast library that you can go study in is the best tool you can have as long as you actually know how to use your library card. Because if you're uninformed and you're like, I want to learn punch defense. Oh, it makes sense. When someone punches at me, I go like this and catch it on my forehead. Yeah, that's, you just don't know, you don't even know what you don't know. At the very least, take a boxing class and learn what a punch looks like. So then you can kind of have an idea of what bullshit looks like. I do ultimately think YouTube and TikTok and Wikipedia and every ounce of the internet are good for the martial arts. As long as you are trained enough to understand what good and bad martial arts look like. And I think uh, this goes to this goes to a conversation I was just having with my wife yesterday. Because my daughter is seven years old and we were saying how we are limiting the amount of internet 
exposure she has. So she does have, we do have some internet. It's under supervision, right? We will sit there on YouTube and watch stuff with her. Um, but we never, we've never been the kind of parents that are just like, oh, well, here's YouTube and walk out the door. Like, <laughs> no, no, like, I can't, you know, and we, but we know parents that are like that. And we, and we were having the conversation about our cell phones. We're like, you know, really, she doesn't need a cell phone. She's seven. She might need a cell phone for communication. And we're going to get her a phone for communication because eventually when she's a little older, she's going to need to call us and needs to get picked up places. But I'm a big advocate of waiting to give her a smartphone till she's old enough to understand society and how it's working. Because once you give them the smartphone, it's like Pandora's box. You can't put it yeah. in back in it's once it's out it's out now now that everything's there all access is there you hope that you it's kind of like letting out your kid into the world that's what you're pretty much doing you're letting out your kid in the yeah. world but much uh, much worse like yeah. honestly for yeah. as much as i advocate the free <laughs> you know the free spread of information like i've got kids too you know like there's no way i'd be like sink or swim here's everything <laughs> yeah yeah you, exactly our job is to guide them our job is to say here's what i want you to look at for now yeah and and prepare them for what's gonna what's what's on its way right because the internet is everything it is everything it's not just everything like we used to say oh let your cat in the world yeah you let your cat out into the neighborhood you still know your neighbors you still kind of know your community but once you let them out into the internet you're letting them out into multiple communities that maybe even you don't would ever want to interact with right so that, that's with that being said about informed consumers i think there's a there's a big thing to be said about kids consuming martial arts videos and how that works and how they see it and i also if you're a parent and you're watching this this is something to think about like <laughs> i don't know if it hasn't crossed your mind yet probably something to think about well rob thank you very much for being on this episode of social jello with angelo uh at least i like to say one or two podcasts a month i try to release at least two or three things i don't want to say four i got other stuff i gotta do two or three things a month if you follow my channel and about two podcasts a month is what you can expect out of me. Make sure to subscribe, and I'll catch you all next time. Peace. See y'all.